and we're back. We just finished a podcast on laundry on the farm, and this episode, had the idea for it came to us from a friend who said he wanted to hear about Nana's recipes. And that got Nana and I thinking about how the family, I would say the Baird family, loves recipes, foods, baking, cooking, anything to do with food. We sit long, we eat much, and we uh, laugh often. But Nana is only a Baird because she married into the Bairds. And I'd say you're a Baird. Wouldn't you say that, Nana? Right. You've been a Baird longer than you were Stevens. Right. Correct? So... On this podcast, we're going to be talking about food on the farm, baking, cooking on the farm. But before we get to that, because Nana's a Stevens, who married a Baird, she's the one, Nana's the one who's fueled the love of food. I know for myself, and I'm assuming my siblings, TC calls himself, um, he's your professional taste tester. Remember, whenever we bake, whether it be for before Thanksgiving or a big holiday, TC always says he's the professional taste tester. And he got that saying from Bub, which as we've discussed on this podcast before is Henry Carey Baird III. Nana calls him Henry. He's also called, what, H.C.? No, Henry C. No. H.C. H.C. By his family. By his family. My brother's also Henry. So we've got lots of Henrys. But for the sake of this podcast, I'll refer to him as Bub. And Nana, you started teaching me to bake at the age of four. I mean, you were having me help stir the eggs. You were having me pour in ingredients into pies or what have you. So I've been known for my pies, according to TC, because I've helped you bake the pies for Thanksgiving since... You were about 13. 13. So that's a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) So... One of the things Nana is able to create is a baked meringue. And I just assumed a meringue, because there's a couple different variations of a meringue. But this meringue we're talking about is a stiff peaked meringue. Made with white egg whites and sugar. Sugar. And a little bit of vanilla, but not too much, because you need the yolks to form a stiff peak. The whites. The whites. <laughs> not the yolks that would be disgusting sorry the whites so i bub loved all kind of pies lemon pie chocolate pie but he loved meringue on his pie if it was a good meringue meaning your meringue or marie calendars right nana yeah so i decided this was what three years ago four years ago probably four four years ago i decided to try my hand at a meringue pie chocolate meringue pie I did everything by the book. And if you know me, you know I never follow a recipe. I never read it through. I fly by the seat of my pants in the kitchen and it ends up a mess. But not this time. I was going to follow it. And as I was reading this recipe, before I made it, I said, Nana, you have to bake a meringue. And Nana goes, yeah. I just thought you whipped it up. It formed the stiff peaks, the whites, and then that was it. But why do you have to bake a meringue? Do you know? To cook the egg whites. See? This, these are things you learn. So, I had gotten out a reusable tin. Pie tin. I'd made the, I'd handmade the crust. I'd made this chocolate filling. I made a beautifully whipped white egg white meringue. It was perfection. And I put it in the oven and it baked for, what, 20 minutes? About 
40? <laughs> About 12. See, these, this is why Nana's here. 12 minutes, not 20 or 40. 12 minutes. The timer dings. I go to get my oven mitts on and I pull down Nana's oven because we were at Nana's house making this pie. And Nana's oven is a little tricky. If you leave the door open too long, the oven shuts off and thus cools down. So you have to work quickly when you're moving things to not lose the heat in this oven at her current house. So I pulled down. I was I felt like I was changing tires at the speed car shows, you know. Everything's working well. I go to pick up this pie each one hand on each side. And then the entire thing just collapses in on itself. And it fell on top of the oven door. And I made a sound like oof or uh-oh or something like that. And what did Bub say? Pick it up or we'll eat it anyway. Because I thought for sure, oh, this is it. We're going to have to throw this away. I was so upset. The meringue, I think, looked beautiful. No. You kind of, what kind of? It wasn't my best but Bub got a spatula and a serving spoon and he helped I held this we helped put it on a plate of some sort anyways we sat and we ate it we have pictures of this moment of Bub Bub thought it was the greatest thing ever we sent out the picture to my sister to show her kids and they thought that was funny how Bub was the one that mashed up the pie but it was me And it was just a fun... Molly told her that it should have been pumpkin anyway, because yeah. that's the only good pie. <laughs> that was right. But we ate it. Bub loved it. Granted, it was a mess. And she's never made another one. I did. I, I went to, um, what's it, Vindicate myself, and then I thought, no, I'll just buy one. <laughs> so I bought, I think it's the Marie Callender's at Stater's, the chocolate fudge, but it's not meringue. But I wanted to open with this story. And if you want to see the pictures, let us know. I can um, email you the picture of Bub beaming with this truly terrible pie. The, the moral of the story, do not use reusable tin, pie tins. Use the, med, the, the glass one. <laughs> Lesson learned. But I wanted to ask Nana about baking, cooking, food prep on the farm. Well, on the farm, first of all, we had a wood-burning cook stove. Which means you probably would have to put keep the wood coming, right, to keep it going? Yeah, you had to build the fire, keep the wood coming, and get the t- oven to the temperature that you thought was right. You had to guess. There was no thermometer on it. So, my mother was a great baker. She baked bread for the family. We did not know what store-bought bread was really until we moved to town when I was about 13 or 14 rather. And um, she baked twice a week enough bread for the the six of us. She also, um, it had a reservoir on the side that kept heated water. It wasn't hot, but it was warm. So we would have warm water if we needed it. Anyway, she, like I said, she was a good baker. So when I was about 11, I decided I was old enough to bake a pie. So I decided to make a banana cream pie. So I did everything from scratch because there were no bought things like a, a 
vanilla pudding to slice bananas in that was, all, you know, you could buy the pudding and make it. You had to make it from scratch, the crumb, crust from scratch. And then I topped it with meringue and had to cook it in the oven. It took me probably five hours to make this pie. And my mother said I had every dish in the kitchen dirty. Because I thought you had to have a clean dish for everything you did. Now remember, we didn't have a dishwasher either. We had to wash and dry all the dishes by hand. With water we carried in from the pump. And heated on the stove. So it was quite a job to clean up my mess. But the pie was good. That's all that matters. And didn't Bub use every single dish in making you an angel food cake? He used quite a few of them, I think, but he cleaned it up. And what did he say? He would never make another one because he had already reached perfection. But that shocks me because angel food cake, I've never tried to make one without a mix. I always use a mix. Mix. Sorry. He used a mix. <gasps> he did? Yes. I thought he did it from scratch. He called it from scratch. <laughs> Sorry, that's so bub. But, um, well, angel food cake, the way you made an angel food cake on the farm is you got the eggs. It took a dozen eggs. A dozen had, eggs? You had to break them and separate the white from the yolk. If you got a bit of yolk in the white, Forget it, it wouldn't beat. Then you had a hand mixer that you held in your hand and you, you used your other hand to spin the spin it. I've seen some of those like in, in like I love Lucy she has one I think and you have to use that beat the, the whites oh. until they're stiff and then stir in some flour and some sugar wow and then you bake it and hope that it turns out good you got the eggs beat enough and everything so it was quite a pr pr production. production. Now, we've talked about on this podcast, your brother Wes, he lived in the second house you guys lived in, correct? Not the basement house, but... Well, we all lived in the basement house, but then we moved to St. Paul, and he lived in that house, the rest of... Well, when he, he was gone, he traveled, he lived in other areas, but then eventually he came back home, and that's where he lived the rest of his life. So... He and I and Bub, we all three loved rhubarb. Not rhubarb, rhubarb. It's a, it's a fruit, vegetable, vegetable. Fruit, I think. It's a fruit. It's Uncle, a huge plant with big leaves that and are you, poisonous. The leaves are poisonous. You can't just pick the leaf and eat it. No, 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 no. And it's really important that you, you, you get the crop correctly because you don't want any of the poisonous leaves for yourself or for anyone else. But Uncle Wes always said in Nebraska, rhubarb grew like weeds. Tons of weeds. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me because it's so expensive in California. But it won't grow in California. No, it takes five years to potentially cultivate it. But it, 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 again, in uh, Nebraska, we had rows of it in our garden. Which shocks me. So did you just go pick it up like how we do here with our tomatoes and zucchini? Yeah, and you just broke it off and brought it in. Broke the leaf off and threw it away. Washed it. Peeled the tough mm -hmm. skin. fiber on the outside off. And uh, my brother was known for his uh, 
rhubarb shortcake. So good. And his chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. He baked great chocolate chip cookies. And he delivered them to people all over town. It was known. People like the uh, where he went to pay his light bill in person and uh, the hospital where he was a volunteer and those kind of things. And three or four times a year, he'd take chocolate chip cookies around to everybody. And he and you both, and I'm not sure about your sisters, but I know you've taught me you can make up some dough for cookies. Let's say you're making three dozen and you bake up two dozen. So you have one dozen left. You don't have time to bake it. You can put it already scooped up into a freezer bag and then put it in your freezer. And, and then if you make them here, you hide them because you don't <laughs> want TC or Auntie. Or any of us who will adore cookie, cookie dough. I'm, I'm one of the, fiend, the, the, the culprits. But Uncle Wes did that too. He said he'd have some. My mother taught, had that. That was my okay. mother. Because Uncle Wes said if you had company drop in, he said it was never unexpected in Nebraska. Everyone was everyone's friend. So when company came over, he could just pop some on a tray and cook yes. up some. Fresh baked cookies. Yes. Cookies were a big thing in my family. My two aunts, my mother's sisters, and my mother were all big cookie bakers. And they would bake cookies and then every Christmas they would make trays of cookies to give away to friends and uh exchange cookies with each other. And I did that too. I used to make half trays of cookies at Christmas. Unfortunately, almost everybody that I gave cookies to are gone or have moved on. So, I think though, my mom, Lori, her cookies are pretty dang standard. Just like yours, chocolate chip, good to go. My brother Henry makes the best cookie dough. When you bake them up, they're, they're, they're a good cookie, but they're not anywhere near what I think people know of your cookies or mom's cookies. But Auntie is the one, when you want a specialty cookie, Auntie is your girl. So she has those Rolo ones, remember? And um, the Jack Jack cookies, the Jack Jack Num Nums. Auntie is your person for that I don't know, what do they call them? Everything but the kitchen sink cookies? Yeah, she, she does specialty cookies year-round. Your so mother nice. and I only do them at Christmas. The specialty cookies, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Auntie, my goodness, if you want a cook cookie, hit her up. But that's the thing. This whole family, the Bairds, uh, Bairds, Stevens, Nichols, whatever you want to call us, we bake, we cook. That's, I think that's our love language. There's a sixth love language I'm adding. Food giving. And uh, exchanging recipes. Yes. So I know Queen Erin, her mom, makes the asparagus wrapped in, is it bacon or is it ham? Ham. Ham. See, bacon would be cool too. But that's something her mom usually brings to the family get-togethers. You have your standard, I was going to say potatoes, but Henry had been doing the potatoes. Right. You know, pandemic aside. Mm -hmm. And then who does the mushrooms? You. She's holding up her hand. <laughs> I do. And um, what else? Again, that's the recipe. The interesting. I got um, the gas company used to hold a cooking school every year in a big theater, and you could go to it for free. And then whatever dishes they made, they raffled off, and I won the uh, 
stuffed walnuts one year. And so we liked them, so I made them for the holiday, Thanksgiving, I think, and uh, everybody liked them, and that's been a standard dish that I've made almost every holiday since, uh, I can't remember when, I can't probably remember. for 40 years. Do you remember I took that cooking class at Orange Coast College and I laughed my head off because I came home with a vegan cake recipe, V-E-G-A-N, and you read it and it's your recipe, the one that you've made, the screwball cake. And yes. how did you get the screwball cake recipe? It was a friend that, because when you're pregnant, you can't have chocolate. They At least say. back in the yeah, I guess. 60s. Well, we... we we didn't have chocolate because they kept us such a only supposed to gain 20 pounds for the whole pregnancy. So after I had Christy, this friend brought me a piece of cake in the hospital and gave me the recipe. And it's vegan because it doesn't have eggs in it. Mm-hmm. That's the screwball. But that one... Uh, I have been using for, what, 59 years? Mm-hmm. 58. 58. 58. Yeah, 58 years. And so I was just, I laughed my head off, not in, inside. I, I wasn't disrespectful to the teacher, but the teacher was like, oh, and we have our vegan options. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is my Nana's recipe that she's been using. And little did we know we were, you know. We such adopted it and made it non-vegan by adding eggs. Because uh, it makes it more... Rich. It's a very dense. Cake. Dense. That's the word I want. But I mean, we, you make cher- you've made a cherry pie for my dad basically every August since he's joined the family. He said, and then we do cherry pies. We do screwball I, cakes. I do my own pie um, crust. Again, that's another recipe. That's one you could tell everyone. I tell everyone I meet your recipe for your crust. It um, it's magic. I, I got I took got their recipe because I took a magazine to my sister in law in nineteen it'd be uh, sixty sixty years ago when she had her last child and she called me up and she said, I found the greatest pie recipe and I we both have used that ever since. It's a cup of cup and two tablespoons of flour. Two, uh, a third of a cup of salad oil and two tablespoons of water. And you really can't mess that up. I know you and all of us say, oh, you do it till it looks right. And a pinch of salt. A pinch of a pinch. About half a tea, about, The rest we call for a teaspoon, but I yes. only use like a fourth to a half. If that. If that much, yeah. And then to me, I know it's going to be a good pie because you, 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 I always use my hands. And then, I know it's not COVID-friendly now, but I always use my hands, and I make it into a ball, and then I put it in between the two pieces of parchment paper, or wax paper. Wax or parchment. Wax paper is what we used at Mm -hmm. 353. And then you have this huge marble (laughs) rolling pin, and I know it'll be good when it looks kind of glassy on top, because you don't want it too dry, you don't want it too wet. But that recipe has been... I I gave it to my teacher at OCC. I give it to everybody. Yeah, it's a very... And then we discovered this past May the labor of love that is a scotch apple pie. I've never in my life 
realized how hard that pie is to make. <laughs> you have to peel the apples. Yeah, you, you make the crusts. And you can double this crust to make... Multiple. Uh-huh, or make a, a double one if you're using a larger pie tin. But we've discovered that you really shouldn't go past doubling it. At least in my experience, when I've tried to triple or quadruple the recipe, you just end up getting lots of flour. Well, she gets it mixed up. <laughs> That's true, too. But uh, scotch apple, then you peel the apples. And dice them fine. Nice and thin is what you do. Yeah, slice them very thin. Then you uh, cook them in the, on the stove. Forever. For like an hour. About with a, a small amount of water and some brown sugar, and you cook them maybe till they're semi tender. Not too tender because you're going to bake it. Yes, and, and it then, becomes more tender. Then you add a little. You make a. I think you add a little flour to it and some butter, and then you cook that, and then you pour the. Put the in the pie, and then you top it with some squares of butter. And lots of butter. Then you put a topping on it. You, I do a whole topping. Elizabeth sometimes does a lattice. A lattice. I tried to experiment with my lattice work. Bub liked it. You liked it. It you, just took forever. I did a braided one once. I did, but to me, we're gonna eat it. What's the point? <laughs> and Bub was always sitting there, eager with TC. Oh, we're the taste testers. And Bub always liked it if I made a little extra crust, <laughs> rolled it out flat, put some cinnamon and sugar on it, and baked it. He'd just eat that. Until it was uh, crisp. Not burned, but just ice and crisp. And then he would just eat it that way. And something I'll say for Bub and my dad. They will eat whatever we make. And if they don't like it, they both have said to me one time each... On different occasions, you don't have to make that again. <laughs> and I think that's really polite compared to, you know, some people I've heard where, oh, I'll never eat that again. And TC is funny. If he tastes something and he doesn't like it, all you have to say is grandma made it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. You did that with the cornflake cookies, right? There was some sort of cookie, and he's like, mm, they're okay. And my mom's like, uh, Nana made them. <gasps> These are the best cookies. And we always try out new cookie flavors because he works at the market and gets to see all these candy products come in. And there was, for Easter time, there was a peanut butter blossom, which is also known as a kiss cookie. But it was made with like a vanilla base rather than a peanut butter base. And then this last Christmas, you and I made how many of the sugar kiss cookies for friends. I lost track. I lost track. And um, then we have the raspberry chocolate, the raspberry kiss cookies. We still want to try and make right. a cookie with. I think we should stop this podcast and go bake. Yeah. I'm getting hungry. How I'm getting you? hungry too. Well, we will talk to you all later. If Again, if you have any questions or topics you want us to talk on uh, or about, you know, we're here to answer your questions we will talk to you guys soon bye bye mm -hmm.